A principle from Eastern theology. Life is suffering. A question from Western me. What in the hell do you really want from us life? Just one answer I can live with? Life just wants you to live it long enough to find yourself. When I first began to learn about the human brain, how we interpret our surroundings, and what lends to our neurosynapses as being connected, I began to feel hopeless. During my years as an undergrad, I studied psychology at Augsburg as one of my three majors. I took many classes on abnormal psychology, brain development, and human behavior. Only one of my professors had an answer to, what are we supposed to do? His theory had nothing to do with the six major methods. Functionalism, the most influential in contemporary psychology, Chisalt psychology, psychoanalysis, behaviorism, humanistic psychology, cognitivism, or even come from the big guns, Freud, Adler, Jung, James, or Hawthorne, that typically influence the type of style in which a psychologist in therapy may behave or approach the client. He simply said, If you forget everything else, remember this. There are no should-bes in life, only what is. The secret to happiness is to balance your pressure with pleasure. Woo. Balancing pressure with pleasure. Mind blown. Mic drop. He was right. The Hindu parable I'll be sharing today sure seems to align with this. In my own life, I found this to be a truth that did not fold. Over the past three years, I've fought four court cases, two in criminal court, one of which had federal implications, and two within civil court. The stress and diminished living conditions due to the financial strain of fighting these cases resulted in my infant being taken at birth, my older two being placed on a hold, and a twin miscarriage. I never should have been in any of those situations. In the end, legally speaking, justice failed and prevailed. I say that because I'm not buried under the jail the way the state of Minnesota wanted me. I'm not in a straitjacket in which the swine wanted me and the entire experience tried to push me. Instead, I've become enlightened, enraged, inspired, and knighted. The most powerful part of my being is on fire. The damage of should be, fair, right, and wrong has heavily affected my family. Most of them are still avoiding me, afraid to even look at a person who went from the lap of luxury to homeless hippie, a human being that still breathes, dreams, hopes, and loves, minus three cars, minus two houses, and minus one child who is being unlawfully hidden by her father, the abuser that started this roller coaster ride, and of course, minus mi esperanza y Antonio. R.I.P. Yet to the shock and surprise of all my resident experts here, I sit at peace, in alignment and happily chuckling as I type and smash my granola and almond milk. Furthermore, I can easily say, I give no conscientious shit about what I've been through. Some of you might be thinking, yep, that chick is a certifiable, callous, and an emotional igne. But guess what, guys? My therapist calls me well-adjusted and spends most of my session laughing at my cray-cray journey for self-actualization because I refuse to stop at well-adjusted. I have a formula for balance. I shared it with you all in the beginning, remember? Balance with pleasure. So, when I was going through all of this, instead of sitting around, watching the money go to legal fees, crying over the repos, cursing the unsupportive and caring individuals around my space, working for more asshole corporations, 
going into a place I didn't want to go, or waiting to find out if prison was going to be my new home, I spent my time becoming a badass MMA fighter, learning that shit. Shout out to my man, 53-2 and two record in NY and PR. I fell in love daily, traveled as much as possible, went canoeing, climbing, tree-hugging, swimming, cooking, trying exotic new things, writing music, drawing a coloring book, and learning two new languages. In fact, I spent so much time filling up all of the emptiness and sadness of my missing kids that when I was not allowed to contact them, my mother, who became the temporary foster parent, was pissed. I remember her telling someone, they're all freaking honeymooning while I'm raising their kids. And while many might be sharing that thought, I asked a simple question. What the hell else was I supposed to do? Supposed to. Have half-ass worked a job I hated like before? As a banker, financial consultant, HR specialist, recruiter, missions representative? In fact, I couldn't. Most of my licenses were no longer good due to the credit situation I found myself in. And with four pending cases, I needed a public defender for three of them. Working would have made me ineligible for legal aid. As for the final case, my partner worked like a madman to get the legal support needed to push paperwork, gain access to records the police captain of Egan refused to release as they attempted to hide and destroy evidence. And we could only afford to fight that one case, which took over $60,000 for my partner in fees, and of course the cost to hide me and evade the people looking to harm me as I was being charged like a terrorist for shooting at cops and standing against cops who really came up as unidentified police officers and illegally pursued me in my home. Furthermore, having three children, foster care was not free. That's right. Child Protective Services charges you for taking your children. It is a business. If I had worked during this period as my family so desperately drawn on about, I would have lost legal counsel and been giving over 60% of my paycheck to the system like some wayward baby daddy. I was just too smart for that. Sorry, not sorry. Or perhaps, rather than turning my condo into a recovery space, an oasis, avoiding the kids' room and finding value in my life without being able to be a hands-on mom, I should have just given up, right? No 6 a.m. Tanichi with the hot hubs. No 6.30 catch the sunrise walks. No 8 a.m. yoga in a fufu overpriced studio. No swimming. No good. Just focus on the bad, 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 bad and get mad, 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 mad. Was that the answer? Hmm. I don't know about y'all that are listening to me right now, but if you ask me, that would be freaking ridiculous. Crying in bed all day under the covers like my name is B. Clarence and I'm waiting for my fate on a date in time dedicated by the perverse Roman calendar. Nah, y'all can keep that. See me? I've always been about that get better or die trying life. When that little bitch life comes at me, I'm like my little cousin screaming, try me, bitch. And I flip that shit faster than a doughboy breaking down a brick on the first. You will never find me in a ball taking life shots to the head. When my husband and I start Tanichi, we engage in an ancient Japanese practice that can only be taught by a master and passed down to those who the light finds. You speak to your mind through your spirit and you tell the mind, this is my space. This is my peace. And nobody and nothing can take it from me. Do you cry? Hell yes. 
You cry like a motherfucker because it feels good and it's cleansing. Do you yell at the world? Sure, if you need to. Stomp your feet and throw a few blows while you're at it. Absolutely. But what you don't do is give up on finding value in yourself, finding peace in the moment, taking it one second, one minute, one step at a time. You see, I am a student of this world. And as the late, great Lennon would say, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. When I face issues, I look at things from a collectivist Eastern perspective. It's not about arguing with life over your special set of circumstances. It's about embracing your experience and shifting the focus from the things you cannot change onto the things you can. I love being a mother, and I don't mean it like the cliche. I mean, this is my career. I would have a million babies if I could. I love the conversation you have with children, the joy that naturally pours out of them, the honesty, the crazy questions they'll ask, the willingness to climb a tree with you, make a science project, or get all into art and artifacts. I was that super mom, that super, super mom, going tubing. Here I come down the hill too. Want to have a food fight? Somebody bust out those marshmallows, cheese whiz, and water guns filled with coconut water. At every trip, at all the events, and jumping in the bounce house with the kids while all the other parents are sitting idle on their cell phones just waiting for the end. Yes, being a mother is living my best life, and yet for a time that was taken from me. I had to balance that, and I did so by pouring myself into other things that gave me pleasure. It took a lot. I had my boohoo Britney moments, but the point is, I knew I was in a fight of my life for mental inspiration as opposed to falling victim to mental illness. And let me tell you, my critics hated me for that. But you know what? Let them hate me to the grave. I'll still be singing till you put me there. Cod casket, honey. Mm. Cod casket, honey. Cod casket, honey. Then I left you and my money got funny. Yeah, that happened. Someone crashed my car. Someone took my car. Multiple people tried to kill me. I mean, yo, they tried to kill me, yo. They really did. But that's why I had to sing it. I had to sing it and I had to sing it some more. So I said it and I said it and I said it again. I said, God casket, honey. God casket, honey. God casket, honey. Then you let me and my money got funny. See, but honey, that honey, that it's all right. Yeah, that part, that. Cause you tried to take me out, but I made it with my life. Got gasket, honey. Mm. Got gasket, honey. Yeah, that's the sweet part. Got gasket, honey. Then I left you and my money got funny. As in, it's funny. I don't give a shit about all the money because I'm still here. I'm still alive, guys. That is why I talked about that proverb or that parable at the top of the show. Remember when I talked about that? Yeah, there was an aging master who grew tired of his apprentices complaining. And so then one morning he sent him for some salt. When the apprentice returned, the master instructed that unhappy young man to put that handful of salt into a glass of water. Then he made him drink it. How does it taste? The master asked. Psh, bitter. And then the master laughed. He asked the young man to take the same handful of salt and to go and put it to the lake. So the two walked down in silence to a nearby lake. 
and once the apprentice had swirled his handful of salt into the water, the old man said, Now, drink from the lake. As the water dripped down the young man's chin, the master asked, How does it taste? Fresh, remarked the apprentice. Do you taste the salt? asked the master. No, said the young man. At this, the master sat beside this serious young man, who so reminded him of himself, and he took his hands offering. The pain of life is pure salt. No more, no less. The amount of pain in life is going to remain the same, exactly the same. But the amount of bitterness we taste depends on the container that we put the pain in. So when you're in pain, the only thing you can do to enlarge your sense of things, stop being a glass. Become a lake. That's right, guys. Become a lake. So when life jumps on your back, can you flip it? Can you tell life right now, come at me, bitch? And I mean, really say it. Say it like you're not fucking around. Come at me, bitch. Consider the question. Are you a glass or a lake? If life's got you caught up in the bitter container, life can challenge you. And you can challenge yourself to let go of it. Get better, not bitter. And be a badass, like flowing. Like flowing like this is my space and this is my peace.